So I'm super partial to these people, these humans that I love so much. I call them brother and sister. I call them friends. I call them inspirations. I am so grateful for who they are and who they are still becoming. And that is Dustin and Carrie Tavella. If you've never heard me talk about them, then maybe you've been hiding in a hole or you're new to the Fit and Faith podcast, which I'm also super grateful for. And I hope that you follow along on the journey. Literally click the little plus button now that they have. Subscribe, follow is now a follow. And put a review. We would so appreciate to hear your feedback from today's show or any show or experience through Fit and Faith Media or myself. Okay, it's not about me. Let's go back. Carrie and Dustin are superhumans. Y'all, they they really love the Lord. They love the Lord and they represent the Lord in so many beautiful ways from Skid Row ministry in LA to halfway houses to experiences of just literally having no money left to their name and gifting sushi in the process because, hey, why not, right? Or winning AGT, but Carrie knowing that Dustin was going to win AGT. Yeah, that's America's Got Talent. Yes, Dustin currently has a Las Vegas show. It's pretty rad. Uh, And their family just literally leans on the Lord in so many beautiful ways. They lean on the visions that the Lord gives them way in advance. Years in advance, Carrie knew that this was going to happen. And to see it come to life, they're living a total different season right now, especially in the midst of marriage and two adopted brothers. And so we're going to get into the backstories of how they've become who they've become and the fact that they're still surrendered and becoming. So love you guys. Love them. Follow them along on their journey. Carrie is an incredible missionary. Um, so you want to follow along the storytelling that she gives you, the, the shame that she literally breaks every single time that she speaks is totally a God thing. So oh, I know that I could just keep going and then the show would just be me talking about them, which I do at the end <laughs> so much. They're going to be like, stop it. But this is how much I love them. I love when God brings people in my life that I can't help but just glorify him. And that's who they are. So Dustin and Carrie to Bella, no further ado. You guys tune in. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. Fit is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep, or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We got the Tavellas <laughs> like, in the house. <laughs> that was so fun. <laughs> Morgan gave you guys 
voice some extra love in that intro video. I was like, oh man, you guys are amazing. And it's so awesome to be able to share you with the community in this way, as I know that they've already been shared as we've been alongside each other, living life for the last year or so. And it's just been such a gift. And so it's incredible to share with you guys. If you're not here live and you're listening into the podcast, you did not get to see all about who Dustin and Carrie are individually and collectively. Right before we came on, I'm like, we really need to have you guys on here separate because their backstories are bananas. But it's just cool how God brings us all together. I wish Gary was sitting next to me so we could all four just be coupled up. Um, but he's here in spirit. So thank you guys, Dustin and Carrie. It's, it's such a gift to know you. Oh, thank you. Likewise. <laughs> Absolutely. So we could dive into so many different places because y'all's testimonies really are um, full from from birth to now, right? And so I would love to just go from a couple's perspective, since we will have you on probably individually too, and talk about what the journey's been like since you guys have been together and what that just evolution has looked like. Yeah. You want to go for it? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so so when we met, I was leading uh, worship at a church in Hollywood. Um, we were kind of like in from very two different backgrounds, two very different places in life, but also like met in a very similar place where I think we had both just had our little run in the industry and the entertainment industry, and um, kind of just like, man, I just want and more. weren't and weren't fulfilled. fulfilled. <laughs> yeah, like it was. It was. I feel like it was like you know you have your fun. Like something's new and it's great. And I was doing music stuff for a while, but um, I was a missionary before being a musician, and so um, I was just kind of at this place where I was like, man, I just uh, I don't know. I was kind of like over it. I just wanted to do something where I felt like I was connecting with people again. And um, not that you can't do that through music, but I feel like I had just become so like so business career focus that I forgot the people focus yeah. and um she was kind of in a similar place with her like modeling and acting stuff and we didn't know this about each other but and I'd also just left um I was engaged to someone um and then you know my life hit rock bottom and I started going to church and just changing everything about my life and so I was in a similar place of like wanting to do it different this time because all my previous relationships it was always physical first it was always like opposite of what God um, has designed for us and like laid out for us. And so um, when I met him, I actually, uh, I had just like gone out of this engagement and I met him a week later. He was leading worship at our church. And um, I actually, you know, I got the good to the end, <laughs> but I definitely like have my guard up and I, you know, He's got the swaggy hat and his ears pierced. I'm like, <laughs> incredible musician. I'm like, this guy is definitely a ladies' man. And so, I mean, I, w I wanted to just take it really slow when I met him. But it was amazing. Like, as I got to know him, like, you know, it was just months of hanging out in groups, going to Bible studies, just doing it very different than I'd done it before. And uh, he broke every stereotype I made about him. Like, he had told me how he never did any drugs or drank and how he was a missionary for like seven years and he was waiting till marriage to have sex. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> I had and never heard a guy a say that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just never heard a guy say that before. So it was just really cool how <laughs> it all so started. Good. Yeah. 
Well, I think through, when I think through that part, even like there's such a testimony, like we could be done with the podcast and just talk about that part of your story, right? Because how many times are people either looking in the wrong places or is there a wrong place to look? And then the association of like somebody else's past traumas connected to that moment or past heroic, you know, triumphs. Right. And I think we are already comparing testimonies and our own sense of shame and what we carry into a relationship. And so it's like immediately bringing two worlds, colliding two different worlds into one space. And it doesn't matter if you have the same back history or not, it's still two worlds colliding because it's both of your parental influences and generational influences as well. Yeah. Sure. I think, I think for me too, like, um, like when I said, you know, we had the excitement of the beginnings of a career or something. Yeah. I think that sometimes like the things of this world actually are appealing and can be very fun in the beginning. But when you let that be your priority, eventually that stuff just wears off and it's, and it's empty. And like, once the excitement is gone, you realize that you haven't built anything with, with depth. And, you know, for me for a long time, I feel like as I was doing music stuff, I was surrounded by all kind of other industry people. And I was like proud of that. And people that I talked to were excited about, you know, the, the celebrities I might've met or been hanging out with or whatever. And, um, and I didn't realize how much of my identity had been put into that. And so mm-hmm. once I kind of got to this place where I was like, man, I, I like the excitement wore off. It became just normal. It was just my life. Um, it was like, man, I, I actually want something deeper. And I think because of my walk, you know, being a missionary before that, I knew that deeper was available where I think sometimes, um, when people don't know that they just dive deeper into the world thinking, maybe they just haven't accomplished enough yet. Maybe oh, they just haven't achieved good. enough yet. Yeah. And so, um, it was weird because rather than like pressing to go forward, I almost started like I was desperate to go back and wow. to, to experience what I had before and to just kind of strip everything down in my life and kind of do things more simply. And so what was cool was there was a guy at our church who was um, homeless and kind of just going through some stuff. And me and Carrie had both kind of befriended him separately. And that was really kind of how we got close because it was like this organic thing of we had been reaching out to the same person. And to me, that was just really refreshing because the whole basis of our relationship um, was kind of rooted in something meaningful, something that we weren't like documenting or recording or filming. It was like, there was just a human being that needed something and we were just kind of meeting. It was a misfit and we both have such heart for the misfits. Yeah. Right. We hate when people aren't feeling included. It's just driving me crazy. So it was cool. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, I think that's kind of become the foundation now of everything that we want to build. It, It has to have, it needs to be Jesus centered, not because of some, churchy religious spiritual right. thing to do but like but but really us as humans we are looking for depth and when we don't know it comes from jesus we dive into other things mm-hmm. thinking it's going to satisfy us when it doesn't it's like rather than be like oh that didn't satisfy me we're like oh i should go deeper then maybe it'll satisfy me if i do more right right, so, right. Um, and like the deeper you go the more starved you become you yeah. know and I, I it's part of my testimony too and i just think it's it's so sad that it's been um broadcasted and manipulated to be glamorized right like it yeah, really yeah. does look like that's the best way that's the yeah. sometimes the only way to live and and that's both in success driven marriages where you see like famous couples together and they're actually like all of a sudden it's like you know Brittany and Jen or Brittany and Justin they they're broken up or Ben and Jen they're gone and yeah, Brad yeah. and Jen are, and it's like 
wait, what? I thought they were the, they were the idols, right? Their marriage became the idol even. And so how important it is for us, even in our marriages to have God as the first priority, which is where you all were when you met, like you were seeking after him, not seeking for the, the flesh at that point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think too, like for me, I think I just kind of realized one of the areas where the, the, I don't want to say the church where we as the church have almost failed is like, I think sometimes we, we become so desperate for people to know Jesus that we're like, no, oh, the, the things of this world, they'll, they'll kill you. You'll want to, you'll hate yourself. You'll hate your life. Right. And like, right. we don't acknowledge that actually sometimes the reason it's appealing is because sometimes it does feel good. Right. Success feel good. For feels a moment. Good. Attention feels good. Having money is, is great. Like all of these things, they have their benefits. And so um, I think what happens is like, for some people who grew up in the church, they're just told how evil and terrible this stuff is. And then they experience a little bit of attention or they experience right. having some success or they experience getting drunk or being high. And they're like, right. wait, this actually feels great. This is actually good. And like, the thing is, is those things, A, don't really carry the longevity of the satisfaction that we're supposed to experience. And also some of the stuff that is maybe good is not a bad thing, right? Success is not bad. Money is not bad. It's yeah. just, we have something better. And right. I think sometimes we're not confident in how much better God is. So we have to label mm-hmm. everything else as being so terrible. And I think the reality is we just have to realize things in this world, they are appealing. And some of the things like even the Bible says, not all things are bad, but not all things are beneficial. I think when you just keep Jesus at the top of your pursuit, the top of your ministry, the top of your priorities, then even if that stuff gets stripped away, your security and your identity now does not lie in that stuff. Yeah. And I think that's as Christians, the biggest thing that we're called to do is like, no matter no matter how much we accomplish or how much we fail, like when our identity is in Christ, it doesn't matter, right? right? Like the walls around us, the numbers attached to our bank account, none of it, none of it matters really. It's not, it's not our identity. And I've experienced both. So one's a counterfeit, like it's counterfeit joy, right? To like go out and get oh, yeah. drunk and like, it's fun for a moment and then depression comes right after. But like, I, I think for me, it was so powerful because I'd only had counterfeit joy, counterfeit sex even like it was like not the best design and so um the a huge moment in our relationship was when so when I first moved to LA my first I moved there October 29th and on October 31st I went to the Playboy Mansion and it was like great the craziest thing I've ever seen like I definitely compromised even the way I dress everything was just so inappropriate about it and um of course i got wasted there blacked out drunk that's just what i did and then like 7 years later i'm with dustin on halloween and i'm wearing like nurse scrubs like real nurse scrubs instead of like a sexy nurse outfit <laughs> like real nurse scrubs and i had like this short black haired wig that his mom gave us she worked at the cancer center and they have all these wigs that nobody wants so anyway just i remember like going through the drive through at like taco bell or something with a group of his friends and he had on his sister's jean shorts. He was dressed up as Joe Dirt with like a mullet on. And he climbed through the drive through window and was just so free and just yelling at everyone, happy Halloween. And it was like in that moment, it, was, I, it hit me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm having fun and I'm sober. And this is the most fun I've ever had. I'm like with someone who's totally free, fully alive in Christ. Like people don't even know what to do with him like because he just <laughs> – <laughs> took such a different path than I took. And that stuff just robs you, right? It robs you of the joy and the intimacy that God wants for us. And I don't know. It's just been cool, like, really seeing the difference in both, like, and why God has guidelines. Yeah. For us. 
Yeah. And it gives you such a vocal piece to be able to share and connect with people in such an amazing way because of that transformation. I saw this incredible visual that a pastor was doing this past um, weekend and it was like a mannequin up on stage and it had had all these labels attached all over it, um, whether it was people that they had been with um, intimately or even friendships or even um, people who are in our family. And then it was also false labels of society over top of them. And the pastor was like ripping them off label by label, right? And I, of course, knew where that was going. But I think the most important part is like this individual experience that happens because when we rip a label, there's still residue. And that residue is one of like the hardest places that we can sometimes stay and sit in and beneath. And yet Jesus comes and he literally gives you a whole new robe. He lives, gives you a whole new sense of identity that you're that washed white concept or that baptism where you come up and you're completely whole and new, but there's still that transference of mind that has to occur because while he doesn't see us like that, we still carry and sometimes can hold on to those past identities. And, so yeah. talk through like the evolution in your relationship. How has, has those previous notions? Oh, hello. Christian Miller is calling. <laughs> uh, how have those previous notions like fed into whether it be hardships in your marriage or healing as you've grown together? Um, I think like, I don't know that with me, like, the more that God has like taken me through, like, um, even just praying. So I remember one night just going through like every soul tie I had with someone, mm. every like yeah. sexual yeah. encounter. Cause I had a past, like in a really scandalous past. And so he like took me, and I was just weeping for hours and just like breaking that off of me. And like, um, even asking God to like erase the memories of that because it was so twisted and tainted and everything. I mean, every guy I ever dated had porn addictions. So now I started watching porn. Yeah, I mean, it was just like all, um, yeah. I had such a misconception of what intimacy was. It was very selfish. It was very self-focused. And like, and I always just felt like, I don't know, just like an object <laughs> like that I had to perform. And I don't know. So then when I married Dustin, it, it, it's taken years to get over, you know, I mean, that stuff and to really yeah. like, um, I'm I'm still healing in that, like just not feeling like gross or feeling like um, I have to look a certain way or being in my head because of all these images and things from my past. But I don't know if that makes sense. No, I think total sense. And I think like for me and like literally those were parts of the book that I incorporated because it's something that is always becoming. And because we're constantly faced with like these different ideas of, of how we can live out our life. And yet the past is kind of feels like that hauntingness. It's like that God covers a multitude of sins and he covers all of the conversations that even happen in our head when we're willing to like wave our white flag and actually show up in a full state of surrender and to help other people through that. I think if he was to completely extract it as much as we crave it, that we would not have the same empathetic lens towards the people that were actually called to heal and help heal by connecting them to the one who healed us. And so I know you guys now, um, fast forward, have not only a bigger legacy in your mission when it comes to who you're called to and how your marriage showcases his greater love, but also to the legacy of your children. So let's talk Mm -hmm. through 
like changing in what looks like, like this life that was, you know, free in missions and even a component of finances. I'd love you guys to talk through that and how that's changed as your family dynamic has grown. Yeah. So, so, so one thing I think that like, um, I think sometimes the way we define ministry is, um, is really interesting. I know it maybe seems like I'm not answering your question, but you know. no, no, I, I know um, you got to. Yeah. So, so like, I think sometimes when we think of ministry, we think of our missionaries, we think of the people up on the stage talking about, you know, how much money they raised for tacos to feed the homeless people and doing, <laughs> yeah. and that stuff is like really great. Yeah. But like, when you look at ministry, the way that Jesus did it, it was, it was so inconsistent of the way of like, sometimes he was just with four people, sometimes with one person, sometimes with thousands of people, sometimes he was avoiding the, the, the multitude to just hang out with the same people over and over and over again. And so when you look at the effectiveness of ministry, I don't, I think sometimes we try and model it, especially now where we have so much to compare to, right? Like all these big churches and big ministries and stuff. Um, and it's easy to feel like maybe the things that we do in light of that is insignificant. And, and we forget um, what it means to, to be fully present and involved in specific seasons of our life. And so, so what I'm getting at is like, you know, there, there was a time where we were leading a, we, we started a homeless ministry in LA and then, um, you know, we were both doing stuff in the entertainment industry and, um, and then, you know, we, we became missionaries again and we moved to Texas. We were working in, um, we were working with a, a ministry that helps women in crisis pregnancies, which is where we adopted our boys from. And, um, and then we become parents. Right. And so it obviously limits our ability to, to go out and to travel and to stay up late and to just be out on the street late at night in the street homeless people in super dangerous neighborhoods. Um, but the thing that's cool is I feel like what God has been showing us is just maintaining this sense of being invested in every season with the people that are, are close to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the people, even like with the people that you are being able to evangelize to, right. The people that are in our neighborhood, but maybe we just can't do that as much and that's okay. I mean, Jesus wasn't a parent. So unfortunately we didn't get to see <laughs> Darn what it, what it would have looked really like. Been helpful. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's so helpful. Like what does ministry look like when now you have kids and you can't be out just doing your stuff <laughs> yeah, all the time, right? Like, so good. Um, and so, and so I think that the thing is when Jesus was here, he was here as a human with a specific personality type, a specific calling, a specific ministry. And, um, you know, the, the, the Bible refers to us a lot of like as the body. And so we're all different parts of the body. And I feel like, Sometimes we're like, well, what part of the body am I? Maybe I'm a hand. But what I've realized is like different seasons, I'm a different body part, right? Like there's some seasons where I'm a way less significant body part than a hand because like we're just doing the simple things that are necessary but aren't as seen, right? Like your hands get credit for everything. Um, but like there's certain veins and stuff maybe we don't see. Anyways, whatever. Let's not take this analogy. No, it's, a, it's a great analogy. And honestly, I've <laughs> never thought about it from the perspective of like changing uh, position within the body. I have always associated to like, I'm the same body part all the time. I think it's an identity thing. Like we cling to the one thing, you're the hands and the feet and that's an easy thing to be. And it's a righteous thing to be. And so when we have to shift positions, our pride comes into play. Our ego comes into play and God's like, actually in this season, I'm going to teach you something different. And that's been hard. So just to even change my mind towards, I don't have to now be the hand that's like sat on top of on the chair and like it can't move. It's actually somebody else comes into position at that point in our lives. And so I think there's actually a whole freedom factor just to that. Yeah. 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 And I think so. So that's kind of the point that I'm getting at is like, because I mean, even for you, right? Like your kids are 
you have two kids, but yours are much older than ours. Not much older, but you have yeah. But it's crazy how just a couple so, years. Yeah, and so and so like your availability to maybe your community was different when they were toddlers versus when oh, you yeah. were single, and it's going to be different oh, yeah. when they're sixteen and when they're eighteen. And so I think that like if we're trying to measure the depth of our relationship with Jesus and you know our purpose by just how many people are patting us on the back and seeing what we're doing. We're going to be very unsatisfied in life because like we go through seasons where we're going to have to do a lot of stuff that no one's ever going to see or notice. Yeah. And so I think that when our joy and our purpose and our, and our, our, um, the way that we measure our missional living, right. As, as just being present with what we have in this season, in this moment, we get to live full of joy, not comparing, um, not, not feeling like our pride is hit because, at one season I was on stage, another season I wasn't on stage. Now we're in a season of being on stage again, right? Like I don't ever know where we're going to go, but like the depth of my relationship with Jesus comes from knowing Jesus. That's it. It is not driven by my circumstances. And when all of a sudden you can have a marriage and a family where Jesus is at the center, now those relationships get to experience that same joy. And um, I think that's why, you know, so many times in the Bible it talks about becoming like a child and having that mindset of being able to play and take joy with where you're at because a kid doesn't walk onto a playground and be like, well, I wonder how much this jungle gym costs, right? He's just like slide or thing to climb or rocks. And they just, they just play, you know what I mean? It's not, they're not, they're not thinking of all the things that we think about as adults. And um, that's kind of the approach that we want to take in life is we just want to feel like we're playing in every season. If there's, there's a lot of kids at the playground, if there's one kid at the playground, if there's a jungle gym or if there's not, like we're just here to, to show up, to play and to take joy in what God has kind of given us in this chapter. Yeah. And honestly, if I think about you two together, I I have always thought of you guys as so playful because you take what little you have or what much you have and you turn it into a good time. And I think that that's such a powerful like thing to have. And even taking the same analogy and thinking through like as a child, when you learn something new, a new part of your body, right? It becomes the coolest part of your body at that point. Like when a kid first learns about their tongue and they're like spitting and like sticking their tongue out all the time, all the way to when they discover their hands and now they're eating them all the time. Like if we could become so adventurous with our own role in the body at that point, then when we go to the playground and there's only one person like our children do, that becomes their best friend versus, oh, there's not a lot of people here. And I think that's where success versus missions can kind of come into play is like, oh, I don't have that many followers or I don't have that much impact. But really it's the one person that now will never forget you because you guys are best friends and played tag for an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are good at, I think personally, I feel like whenever I'm with you, you're fully with me. And there's not, Mm -hmm. you're not thinking about, the magnitude of impact that you have on a consistent basis and could have tomorrow night when you're on stage with, you know, thousands of people in front of you. <laughs> oh, thank well, you. he's really good at that. They, he's like a joy bomb. So I like to join in on the fun. I don't always think of the fun things, but I like to participate. <laughs> yes. I yes, like with yes. other people. But I think I want to add to that for it just being different seasons of life. I've realized more than ever that I can't do anything apart from God, like nothing. And this has been probably the hardest season. I mean, it's, it's getting better. We're getting into a really good flow, but for like three months there, when he was on AGT, when we were in LA, when we were living in a hotel for two months, 
we just adopted our son's older brother. It's not the natural order. He was beating up, you know, Xander, and it was just very chaotic and crazy. And, you know, I was like on guard all the time because it's yeah. like, I can't, I can't look away for a second because there might be a pillow over <laughs> our <laughs> right. youngest son's right. head, like big stuff. It was just very intense. And, you know, um, I, I really like have been sharing more than ever. Just, um, God has me on such a short leash and I feel like every time I start to get off track and I'm like leaving him out of the equation, he's like, come back, come back over. You can't do this without me. You're going to need me. And man, the last like three, four months, you know, before we moved here, it was just, it was intense. And I felt like I was turning to even old coping mechanisms. I mean, we've talked about this. I was, you know, turning to even like CBD, right? Like to, to like calm myself to like, fix me because it was such a highly stressful situation. And I didn't want to be in that season. I'm like, I can't do this. This is too much. I can't do this as a single mom because he was working so much. I can't, like, I can't do this by myself. And God is constantly like, yes, you can. And bring me back to this place. Like you need nothing, none of that, nothing else except for me. And that's the only way you're going to be able to do this. And to not wish my way out of that process. You know what I mean? He's doing stuff in me. He's teaching me how to love unconditionally and to choose outside of what I feel and to not react to everything. And, you know, anyway, so it's just been like, uh, this has been one of the hardest seasons ever, but also the most like growing, challenging, fruitful too, like to just see even now where the boys are you yeah, know, right now I and know. like loving each other yeah. and playing together. And I think challenging, not in the way of like, oh, this is so hard, but more it's just, it's just so new. It's more of like yeah. the things we're having to learn right yeah. now. There's not, and I think that's the thing that's sometimes is weird and scary and stressful. Yeah, is yeah. like we're just everything we're doing right now is 100 percent different from four. And we have ago. no one to really talk to <laughs> yeah. about it because I don't know anyone that's adopted an older right. sibling. And also, like, I would have, I would rather have in that season just been going and speaking places, just to yeah. stay. But God was like, "This is your mission field. Yeah. This is your ministry," and yeah. to like read you know remind myself that this is my ministry like yeah. and and to think through been... all of the ministry that you guys have done up into this point like you've impacted so many already where you know some yeah. people are in their 50s and their kids are out of the nest and now they're just now coming to that and not in a comparison mode but just like the lives that you've already impacted now and now being able to pour that into Silas and Xander. I mean, it's amazing to witness and to know, even in the midst of that, the people who you've become sources of, of light and love from God through you, they're speaking your name in places that you're not hanging out. And (laughs) that's like crazy, right? To think through. And so it's just, it's a testimony to the fact that when we're called into that short leash experience, you know, a lo- there's so much provision in that short leash oh, and yeah. it's literally bringing me my, our dog, littlest one, Dela. Um, she has been wandering into people's garages lately. <laughs> we got 14 That's teeth awesome. extracted. <laughs> it's awesome until the short leash experience didn't happen last night. And she went into the neighbor's yard and got attacked by a dog. And got sent, had to immediately go to emergency vet, has a tube out of her now with a ton of stitches. And so as you're saying short leash, I'm thinking God's protecting you because you could make the choice to have somebody come in and watch the kids and go and do ministry and leave all the time. And you guys be living separate paths as you go to pursue what we think is missions 
But yeah. instead, him keeping you on that short leash is actually just protecting you and saying home is where the heart is, right? And yeah. I want you in this space. And so it's just yeah. a perfect like visual analogy that's happening in my brain as you're sharing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and for me, I think that like we first and foremost, like God's desire for us is that we would be satisfied in life and satisfied by knowing him, right? Because he is where the truest sense of wholeness and joy comes from and i think that sometimes like i think sometimes at the church we're kind of like tricked into thinking we're doing something different but we're actually just doing things the same as the world it's just we mm-hmm. just stand for something different mm-hmm. and so for me it's like if our sole purpose is to enjoy god and we're trying to help other people do the same or but we're not enjoying god and we're trying to help other people enjoy god i think it becomes so see-through and i always think of it as like like six flags right the theme park if i get a job at Six Flags, and they're like, hey, Dustin, your job is to go out and to promote this place and like to tell people how great it is. I could, A, just go out and start telling people, hey, Six Flags is great, or I could take a couple days and just actually ride the rides and actually fall in love with the place. And so, then when I go out and I'm like, dude, this place is amazing. Like, <laughs> I'm actually going to mean it. And I might not yeah. have answers. Like, if, if someone asks me, well, how tall is this roller coaster and how long has it been around for? Who invented this? I don't need to know all the answers to convince someone that I freaking love this place. Right. And I think sometimes we do the opposite. We start studying. We start thinking, well, I need to be smarter than everybody. I need to have every answer there is. I need to be able to answer the questions correctly. And we don't ever think maybe I should actually experience the presence of God and then talk from that place. And so I think that the the thing that's actually so fun and so freeing is actually that we get to exist. We get to be, we get to live this kind of lifestyle where God's like, Hey, if you want to experience freedom, here's boundaries, which first of all, I think is weird. And I think that's where people put the walls up. The reality is, is that boundaries create freedom because when we go outside of those boundaries and we become injured or become hurt, like you're talking about like with, with your dog, we're able to actually do far less. Yeah. And so our freedom actually becomes hindered when we start deteriorating who we are. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when we become okay with living within the boundaries of Christ, we, we acknowledge the freedom that's there. And then when we start living with true freedom in a world that's looking for freedom in all the wrong places, people genuinely noticed it, right? Like, and, and so when people start wanting to come into our space, and this is what I think evangelism is, is it's inviting people into a space that we live in. We create freedom for ourselves and we get to invite people into that. We don't go out and say, hey, you should come to church on Sunday and hear someone else talk about the Bible, right? Like, not that that's bad, but it's not as empowering as realizing that we get to be people's space of freedom because we experience that. And so, um, it's the hardest thing to realize sometimes when, we're, when we take a step back and we're like, man, I, I feel like we should be doing more. Yeah, maybe we should. And maybe we should start with stepping away from everything and just knowing God again and getting excited about who he is and what he's done in our lives. Because when, when that's on the forefront of our mind, I don't go into conversations thinking, well, how can I bring up Jesus? How can I guide us towards Jesus? When people ask what's happening, I'm like, dude, the things God has been doing like has been crazy. And you like, can't make we, it up. Yeah, yeah. Like, only God could get yeah and then we're telling just real stories of what's happening in our lives we're not having to conjure up some fake conversation to to manipulate the conversation to go towards the gospel we're just living in it and so when we have conversations it's just what happens it's what comes up naturally and i think you guys have always well i say always like we're always becoming (laughs) but 
I have so many times because I'm investigator anyway, and I have questions out the wazoo, but you guys are so forth telling in it. And I think that's a space of conviction on my end that you guys are willing to share the highs and the lows, the struggle points, and then also the glory points where God comes and provides, right? And it's abnormal, even in this conversation thus far, you all sharing things that are like friction points and like not always easy to say and speak out loud about, but. The most powerful thing you can do to unlock your greatness and step into your next level of abundance is to get in the room with others who have been where you want to be and perhaps are going where you want to go. But oftentimes we can put ourselves in the wrong room based on exterior vantage points, what they wear, where they go, what they do. When we know in our heart of hearts that we should be following people, standing along people who are aligned in true wealth. Stop feeling alone in the journey of growth as a business leader and an entrepreneur who loves God. Stop struggling to find the right answer when it's already been written. Stop giving up on the desires of your heart when God placed them there with intention. Stop standing in this lack mentality when your prosperity is critical for all of us in the kingdom. Come. Find a seat at the table at the most impactful faith-driven business conference you will ever experience. Alongside ministry-driven marketplace leaders, you will evolve, unlock, and activate your next level. That just sounded like a video game. This is not the meta, okay? This is your IRL, your in-real-life chance to be in the room with some of the greatest kingdom entrepreneurs of our time. Founders, innovators, trailblazers who are God-centered are coming together to grow their business for God's sake. And that's an inside-out job. You will leave this three-day intensive with action plans, new income strategies, fresh mentalities towards business and life integration, and a sense of freedom that will have others magnetized to what you are selling by the way you freshly and uniquely serve. It's happening on November 4th through the 6th, 2022 in Nashville, Tennessee, with a highlight VIP event on November 3rd. There are seats at the table for you, but they will go fast. It's a limited reservation. So get your tickets now at growforgod.com. Again, that's growforgod.com. I cannot wait to hug your neck. I cannot wait to see you there in person. I cannot wait for this energetic room to just light up the world because that's what we're going to do when we leave this conference. But you got to be in the room. IRL, let's go. One area that I've always loved your all surrender in is your financial surrender <laughs> and how you have just, you know, bare minimum been able to make life happen abundantly and not ever starved, quote unquote. And I say that lightheartedly knowing, you know, things that are in other countries and we, they don't have access to, but it's such a, it's such a conversation point that I think so many people need to hear more often because it is constantly being tainted as the fruit that everyone needs in order to have money. You have to, that's where Mm. happiness resides. Right. And so talk to us through like how you all have maintained that sense of humility and also that sense of trust and faith, like that mustard seed of faith in times that's been really trying. Yeah. I I love talking about this. I know you're so good. (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) 
Well, actually, so Dustin just taught me so much. Like he was the one discipling me when I met him. And even being a missionary, like he obviously learned how to live on a little, you know, and be really frugal. And so I didn't really have that kind of background. Like we just never, I wasn't like that for our family, but um, like we, he would always joke that he gave away two cars, but he never bought a car. Like God just always <laughs> provided for him what he needed in that time. And then he was so radically obedient, even when it didn't make sense, you know? And, um, so when we were, were we married yet? When we were praying, God just, we were praying. I, it was either right before we got married or after we got married. Was it? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. We were just praying, God, give us whatever you say we need to spread your truth from here. And there's like, whatever you say. And I was like within a week, we probably were like $10,000 worth of studio equipment just given to us, like brand new mics, computers. Someone gave us his friend, bought us a speaker, like, um, just crazy stuff. And we made the hallway. We, it's so fun. We got to look back at these pictures. We made the hallway into a recording booth. Without asking our landlord. In the hallway. Without asking the landlord in the hallway. And he cut a hole. Like, looking back, we probably, like, God's providing all this stuff. And we're totally, like, ripping our apartment. We pulled the carpet out of our. We, yeah, that's. Well, we lost our deposit, but that's fine. We're, um, <laughs> we're, we're still in the phase of learning, right? Like, try to respect the thing. Like, hey, we put a bunch of holes in the wall. Yeah. <laughs> he got a hole. He got a square in the door. For the sake of the of God, it's God. It's for God's glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. He pu- he cut a square in the door of the hallway and yeah, made, cut a window like, in it, like plexiglass for the recording. For the recording but my thought was the other apartments didn't even have that door in the hallway, so I was like, when we leave here, I'll just throw the door away, and then they won't even know that it's missing because the other apartments <laughs> don't even have a door. Oh my gosh! I don't know. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I just anyway. love it. No, no, no. Okay. It's okay. Well, because thinking back, I'm like, why? Anyway, it was crazy though. Like we had everything we needed. All we needed left was foam for the walls, right, to cover the walls in. And we were driving down to Skid Row where we were doing ministry full time. Say hi to the guys as we were driving to another area to buy foam. Well, as we we're passing through Skid Row, we run into a friend of ours, this Asian guy who would like drive around Skid Row five days a week and just hand out like dollar bills. Jesus loves you. He's just so sweet. And he just hands us a wad of cash out of the blue. And it ended up being like ex- the exact amount we needed for the foam. Like we didn't even actually have money to go buy the foam. We were just going to go look at it. Like everything like that was step by step, just like God leading us. And, um, and it was wild because even in those times of just, you know, not having a lot, I mean, I remember I had $2 and 14 cents in my bank account. He had $4 and we were praying, you know, cause God was, we were doing full-time homeless ministry. And so we were praying like, God, should we get jobs? Cause we feel like we're supposed to do full-time ministry, but this is scary. You know, I never had such little amount. And through that whole process, he was challenging us to be open-handed, be generous, no matter what, like nothing is ours. And so um, we were on our knees praying that night after we saw six dollars that we have, like wondering how we're going to get gas or eat that week. And we go to church and the pastor gives us an envelope with a card in it. And it has a hundred dollar gift card. And it just said it was anonymous. It said, keep doing what you do, you're doing. You guys are a blessing. So once we got that card, the next morning I was having a quiet time. And our friend just hit one year being sober from meth. He was blind. He had a crazy testimony. We wanted to take him to this all-you-can-eat sushi spot. And we were like, we want to treat you. Like, we, you're hitting one year being sober. This is so cool. And um, anyways, he, like, offered to drive. He's like, oh, no, he's like, you guys, I'll pay if you drive. And we're like, we're obviously going to drive. You're blind. <laughs> so, um, but we, we ended up, I felt like we were supposed to use that $100 for the sushi. I'm like, God, that's crazy. 
that means we're going to have like $10 left. That's so irresponsible. That was like the most God asked us to give with the least amount we'd ever had. And then he told me like an hour later, like, yeah, I feel like we're supposed to use that gift card for sushi. So I'm like, okay, God. I told you. her hoping she was going to say no. <laughs> yeah. She was like, this is a horrible idea. Like, yeah, God told me the same thing. Like, Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> now we're just back to broke. So it was so cool because we um, we took him to sushi. And the very next morning, a family friend calls us and was like, hey, guys, I've been supporting this ministry for like two years. I give them $1,300 a month. Um, but they're doing well. And I felt like the Lord told me to start giving you $1,300 a month. So you can just keep doing full-time ministry and keep running. And she's like, I'm also going to give you $10,000 gifts on top of that. Not knowing what she was even seeding into like that 10 grand helped him build a whole magic stage show. It helped us move to Texas when we became missionaries. It helped us bring our butt, like all these things. And so it's throw, just, casually throw, bring our bus. We have, we have a short bus. Oh, no, there's there's a short bus. There's no so many stories, y'all. We bus. can be here. Yeah. No, but I, I say all that because like we, he has asked us, it's just like obedience that doesn't make sense to anyone. And people think it's really irresponsible. A lot of times, you know, if I ever shit, it's like, no, no, don't do that. That's crazy. But it was in the midst of that, like we didn't have a lot, but we learned to live on such a little amount and we had everything we needed always. And, um, but there were times that were very, um, tempting that, you know, it was, it would be easy to compromise. Like, um, e entertainment was doing a show about Christians living in LA. They loved Dustin. They really wanted him to be on it. They wanted me to be on it. They wanted my brother to be on it. Cause I, they wanted me on it. So there was that tie and we were praying and felt like God said no. And you know, you never know what they could twist or make your, you know, it could hurt yeah. our witness. It can make us look bad. You just never know yeah. the intentions. And so, um, you know, even my brother was really upset with me. Like, I can't believe you're not taking this. You're crazy. Like, and we just felt like God said no, so we didn't do it. But they were offering like ten grand each per episode, something wild. And we didn't have any money at the time, and we still said no. And then there was like, you know, just other times like that where we really had to pray and stay sensitive, and we just didn't take it just because it was an offer. And um, it even just seeing how that led us to. Uh, I have to share the adoption story really quick because when we moved to Texas and we were adopting our first son Xander. We, again, we were full-time missionaries. We had nothing. We were living totally on support. This woman was still giving us $1,300 a month, and we just made it work with that. And we um, were in the process of adopting. We were going home to see our families. Um, right before we went to see our families for them to meet Xander, we gave friends of ours $400. We felt like God said, give them $400. They both have full-time jobs. They do really well. They lived in Dallas, and we're like, why? Like, Okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so like, so we okay. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know why. And so we did it. And then the next day we get hit with a $2,800 bill from the attorneys saying we needed it the next day for Xander's adoption fees and all this stuff for the attorneys. Yeah. So we asked our friends, it was the first time in four years that we ever borrowed money. Like God always provided every single month right on time and wild story. So we borrowed money from our friends. They're like, sure, no problem. I'm like, we'll pay you back in the next two months. We'll be able to pay you. And so they write the check for us. And then we were talking like, okay, we're going home to see our families. Do we go to a church? Do we do like a love offering? Does he do a magic show? Like, should we raise money? Like fundraise? Because we got to pay them. Yeah, we got to pay them back. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, I would like to not have to wait two months to pay them. So like, we're trying to purchase a kid here. <laughs> <laughs> Just give us some cash. We'll be good. <laughs> 
So God was clearly like speaking to both of us. No, just go home, be with your families, let them meet Xander, let them enjoy him. Don't raise money. And so we went to Ohio, then we went to Pennsylvania and we went to lunch with some family friends in Pennsylvania. And um, we didn't talk about money at all. No adoption fees, nothing about, they just met Xander. That was it. And so at the end of the lunch, the wife was praying, God, I pray you would just provide everything this family needs for Xander and the adoption. And, um, after she finished praying for us, the husband was like, as my wife was praying, um, I, I, I was reminded in my quiet time this morning that God told me, um, take care of my children. That's what he spoke to me. And I was just now reminded as she was praying that we just sold a property and we haven't fully tithed on that property yet. And so I want to write you a check for, for that. The rest, for, for the rest, for the rest of the 10%. Of the 10%. And it was $3,000. He wrote a three thousand, And that, we just paid 2,800. So not only did he give us, God provided every penny. He gave us a little extra abundance. It's always, always the overflow. Like but, it's, so good. And y'all, you're listening to this and you're like being mind blown over and over again. And like, again, we could sit here all day and have these stories come out of this couple. And it's amazing. We haven't even really touched base on the fact that AGT has come to fruition the way that it has and the sacrifice that it took to get to that place. Right. You know, a lot of people just like overnight success, Dustin Tavala. Right. And you're like, no, it didn't work like that. And Yet there's been all this transition, all of the, you know, changes and the mindset shifts that have happened in the midst of all of that too. So the glitz and glamour that might be on stage every night, it's like coming home and working through change and working through evolution and working through not having, you know, your best friends next to you or your family close by. And it's blessings in the midst of that journey, right? Every single day. And I just think that there's... I can't wait to actually to be a friend and watch everything unfold in the process and, you know, continue to pray for you guys in it. Um, but what as like take home things for somebody listening to this podcast, knowing that there's a thousand other stories that we're going to have to get you on separately <laughs> for, like, where is your heart right now? Like, where are you being led in evolution and the becoming and sanctification of your relationships with God in that yeah. knowing season? What's he teaching you? I think like a big thing is really just kind of starting, like it's really building community, have people that we're doing mm-hmm. life with that, again, we're able to just play with really, you know what I mean? Like people that were able to kind of have fun and have great conversations. And then also people that we can be encouraging and discipling as well. Um, even when you just asked that, I was just thinking of, I think sometimes that could seem hard because it's like, man, where are my people? But I think when when your pursuit is finding life, finding the wholeness of like who God is and how we experience that wholeness, um, you find yourself relating with people who maybe you wouldn't think you would relate with, or, or you just get to connect on the things that matter. And it's not about people being in the same season of life. It's not about any of these things, you know, and you, you find yourself sometimes surrounded by people that you just thoroughly enjoy because you get to experience wholeness. And I even think of like, you know, with you guys, it was so amazing getting to become friends with you guys in the beginning of when we met, like we were kind of broke and we're like hey we want to get to know you, you want to buy us dinner so we can all <laughs> hang out right like just, <laughs> but like the thing that was great is like we just all have become such yeah. close friends and we've become family with you guys and it's like jesus has just been the center of this thing the whole time and it's just we've just been in this space of so valuing that and it's funny the things as adults that we probably should be spending our money on and buying but like we 
just like toys and things to be doing life with people with to be able to invite people. And, like, 30, hey, and $30 couches a month. Yeah, like, yes, I love it. <laughs> that we can buy toys. But, but only because I feel like the things that God has so brought us to a place of valuing is like being outside, mm-hmm. doing things that um, you're able to invite people into to share, right? So so, so anything that we invest into, anything that we put our time or our money into, it's things that we can share, things yeah, yeah. that are going to encourage community. And, um, which has been fun. His, he has two nights off, Mondays and Tuesdays, and we've been just having like lots of friends that he's been making at work over, like a lot of ushers, people that work on the staff there. Yeah. My neighbor has been coming over with her yeah. kids, and just Yay. it's been so fun. Yeah. Which Oh, which reminds me, too, of I think one of the things, one of the takeaways that I hope that people are listening that, that they would get is like, if you want to see your life be one where, where ministry is the center, then just do the things that God has you doing now and mm-hmm. live in the fullness of that. Because, you know, when, when Carrie was talking about before, when the, when the lady called and said, hey, I want to give you guys $1,300 and $10,000 on top of that, we felt like we were supposed to be just fully, like, not having jobs, doing the homeless thing, there every day with these guys. And, um, and that, like, because we were thinking, man, we were praying, are we supposed to go and work? Are we supposed to get jobs? But we felt like we weren't supposed to. And, um, and sometimes in those seasons, it's easy to be like, well, everyone needs to quit their jobs and do ministry, right? But, <laughs> but now I, I do have a job every night. I go in, I clock in, I clock yeah. out. And most of the ministry and all that happens is from my work, yeah. class, right? And so yeah. you have one season of our life where everything was wrapped around going out, meeting people on the streets, ministering to the homeless, to now it's ministering to the people that I work with. Some of them are also very successful. Some of them are not successful. But that doesn't matter, right? It's like... God just has us being present in the space that we're in and the chapter yeah. we're in. So as we were talking, just kind of full circle now back to the beginning of our conversation of the body part that you might be playing in this season, like it's going to change. Yeah. Um, don't let comparison rob that because yeah. it's easy to look at things through the Christian box of what ministry is supposed to look like. But if you're in a season of working at McDonald's, if you're a doctor, if you're, you know, working late nights, if you're working early mornings, if you're a parent, if you're single, like just be the fullest version of you in the season that you're in and know that God is going to use that. It, that has nothing yeah. to do with the fact that you're not a pastor on a stage on Sundays. That's not like, well, unless I'm that, God's not going to use me. Yeah. God wants to use you with, with where you are it's right true. now. And he wants you to have fun doing it. And I think that's that's also the And cool the only thing. way you know how to do that is by drawing near. Like we just have to make space so, and yeah. like spend time with him. And, yeah. and that's where for me too, like learning that he's put people always in each season right in front of me. You know, and a lot of times I miss it. Like I'm thinking about the next thing or like something bigger, right? Because I have big dreams. I have, you know, yeah. and, and so I miss like, you know, the people he literally puts next door to me who um, need loved on and need encouragement. And so just making more space for that um, has been awesome. And even, but also not being afraid of, like yesterday, I was really excited. I finally did like my first video with Mateus. Like he helped me shoot it. And I just wanted to make a fun video about all of my like Goodwill thrift store marketplace finds and just the, the bargains and just like yes. encouraging people like you can do that too. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I love that. I, I was totally thinking of you this past weekend. It wasn't a thrift store find, but my girl owns a boutique here locally and she was having $5 racks. And this jacket I got, I was like, this is $5. <laughs> and Gary's looking at me like, cool, babe. I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's so <laughs> awesome. It's thrilling because I get to wear it. It's new to me. And at yeah, the same yeah. time, I'm saving money. So I yeah. love it. <laughs> For That's sure. So cool. I, had a, I recently had a friend yell at me because 
I mean, there's still, I mean, it's just like, there's still, it's just fun yeah. doing this stuff. And like, like yeah. we're still sometimes like, we're pulling furniture out of trash and putting <laughs> stuff together. And like, we needed crates for something. There's some lady throwing stuff. I was like, yo, are you throwing those away? Because we totally need those. But my friend yelled at me the other day, he's like, dude, when are you going to stop doing poor people stuff? <laughs> And I'm, like, I'm like, I'm never, never gonna stop never, because never. this. I was like, this is nothing. To do. This is just what's fun. Like, yes. I need to go and this lady. Now I just gotta. They have a conversation with this lady, throwing out her trash. That wouldn't have happened if I would have went to the store. How boring is that? Go to the so store true. and successfully walk out with what they went in for. That's like that's what our friends came to visit. They're like, bro. Why am I helping you carry a couch out of Goodwill? You just want America's Got Talent. What are you doing? <laughs> but it is cool because it's it's fun then having extra money to like right. invest in the yeah. people. Invest or people. Or yeah. Yeah. Invest people. Yeah. Why do I want to buy a new couch with toddlers? Literally three days after <laughs> so you know, couch, there's pen all over. Oh, there was a pen. Oh, I was like, well, it's thirty dollars. I don't care that you got pen on my thirty dollars. It was twenty dollars. <laughs> Throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> Colleen, y'all need to be taking financial notes right now. We talked about success and business notes. We talked about marriage and parenthood. I mean, this conversation has been so plentiful. And I think ultimately goes back to something I'm even learning right now is like, as we get to know God, we can even go back to the playful parables of our childhood. The thing that you've probably heard a thousand times, like this is something that was a revelation to me last week about Jesus feeding 5,000. And as a, playing a new part, a new body part, I was receiving that old traditional parable in an entirely new way because I was standing in the parable with different eyes instead of looking to the miracle of Jesus because I'm in a space where I feel like I'm in a blessing season, right? And I am playing a different role that I was actually looking to the lens and through the lens of the disciples and how self-righteous they were, how whiny they were, how much they doubted, how much they kept like trying to protect Jesus. And Jesus was like, I've got this, yo, like leave me alone. (laughs) And you're tired and cranky and I've got work to do. So move over. And it made me recognize that like, that's a part of the exploration that we get to go with childlike faith towards the word, the same word that you read when you were 12 in CCD confirmation class, or the same word that you've never even been exposed to, but you know about just because you know about it. Um, to just seek and find like from a different lens in this season, how he could train you up through those areas and really leaning into the knowing side of who he is. Cause I've now been able to teach that specific scripture in such a different way because I rode the roller coaster differently, right? Like I actually Mm -hmm. rode with a new sensation. And so I love that analogy and I just love you guys and how you, I feel do this all the time for me, even without knowing. That's awesome. Thank you. We love you too. Yeah. Such an an example to us too, of just like, it's been fun. Um, just blessing friends who like maybe don't make a lot of money. We all go out right for meals and stuff together, and just like totally, you know, to just pick up the ch- like Gary never literally has ever let anyone <laughs> not happening, not well, happening. It's been fun being on that end now, right? Like, yes, being able to do that for people has been really, really fun. Yes, I am know that it's just the beginning, honestly. Like, and and everything that we've walked through to get to this is is a part of where this is going, even just in our friendship. And like, it's God's just showing different parts of his character in the process. And that's the part that I am most eager for is like, God, who else are you that I have yet to be revealed to? And, um, it's, it's amazing. And so it's, 
what people need more than anything is more so the intimacy in the conversations like this. And why I love this podcast so much is because we can get raw and real and vulnerable and, you know, celebrate the highs and talk about the lows. And um, Mm -hmm. I'm just grateful for your all's transparency today. And I can't wait to have you back on the show. (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, thank you. No, this is awesome. Tamara, no, we thank love you so, you so much. much. Uh, maybe I next time you. we will be in the same place instead of in two different places. I know. I said I'll be in LA next week. And honestly, just to share with you guys, since we're live, why not? You guys can get to the back end conversation of our friendship. <laughs> I was thinking about the fact that you guys aren't going to be there. And when you were talking about like the ministry that you did in the streets this past weekend, God revealed a revelation in regards to our going to LA. And I've been kind of like, why am I doing this? Is this really like moving the needle towards our mission? Me getting on stage and talking about podcast video creation. And I have had no stress, no concern about what I'm going to say. I haven't prepped anything. I haven't had to necessarily open the word to prepare that. And so I, I told Gary on Saturday, I was like, it feels so freeing to like, I don't feel like there's as much weight to what I'm going to say on stage, right? Like this is, is so cool. It's so lighthearted. Then Sunday morning at church, totally convicted by the Holy Spirit. And he said, actually, this is the heaviest, hardest work you've ever done. And you need to be prepared because you're going into the secular space that I've given you grace to show up as be the light. Be everything that you are. It shouldn't be hard, but don't don't put your light under a basket when you're on that stage. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like, ah, like people want to go to the nations, right? And they want to think that the place that we testify is in Africa or in Ukraine right now. But it's like it could be in L.A. It could be in your backyard. It could be in your home in that moment. And so Mm -hmm. I was just thinking of you all in conjunction with that and to be like, how much you all were able to transform in that city by being who you were unabashedly. Thank you. That's so awesome. Well, thank you. You're freaking awesome. Stop out complimenting us, please. We're trying to I love you. I love you. I love you. I love the God within you. How about that? I love the God within you. You guys are just awesome. Well, thank you. Likewise, you're, you're awesome. Kendall. All right, y'all. Peace. Bye. I love Later. you so much. <laughs> Hey y'all, it's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts, and you can tag me and the guests, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you may even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together and we appreciate the extra step taken. I would be so grateful if you even took the extra step. Come on, give me that extra sauce and leave a review on iTunes for the podcast listening app that is of your choice. I'm going to be featuring your thoughts, in fact, and this will be so fun in upcoming episodes. So you'll not only hear your name on the show, but maybe even your passion project or whatever big shout out you want me to make. So please, as a fellow writer, leave some words that I can attest to and I can't wait to read what you have to say. Thanks again for being a loyal listener and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting. And I say we because the Fit and Fake team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith Way.
Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.